vulnerable world. We need something more powerful than any of us. Everyone creates the thing they dread. Ultra in the flesh. No matter who wins or loses, trouble always comes around. You've meddled with something you don't understand. We have no place in the world. This is The Script, the official podcast of the NYC Screenwriters Collective. I'm David Negrin, and I'm here with Jordan Rosengarten and Jeremy Engdahl Johnson. We're doing the behemoth. We're doing Ultron, Avengers, Age of Ultron. And it, it was $187 million this weekend. People can't stop talking about it. Internet controversies. Uh, uh, was it better or worse than the last one? What will the next one be? What did the Easter egg mean afterwards? Very exciting stuff, guys. Um, what do you have to say? Jeremy, what do you feel? I feel a little violated, uh, but I also have to caveat this, that I, I'm coming from the perspective of not being a, a comic book guy. Uh, you know, I'm looking for a good story, but I feel like I'm in the midst of a massive marketing ploy, and this movie is like, the gate to the next, uh, the next stage in the marketing ploy, and in fact, we're gonna that that may that may be, but if it's a whole hell of a lot of fun, I, I don't mind being part of it. It's a hell of a lot of fun, but let me say, um, like, and we can talk more about this as, as we get into it. But what this movie is lining up, and what what this movie represents, like, I think now is a really good time to go into like a three year coma if you're really into cinema. <laughs> Okay. Oh, cin- uh, you brought up cinema on the Age of Ultron podcast. Yeah, I did. Sorry <laughs> to be highfalutin. Yeah. There's no cinema. It's barely films. Uh, we're gonna use movies here. Yep. Um, uh, yeah. So Jeremy, you have no comic book experience. I have some uh, comic book experience. And Jordan is our resident uh, fanboy, comic book fanboy. Uh, just, is that right, Jordan? Just say it, nerd. Nerd. You can use that word. That's right. Yeah. That's right. We don't have to be um, PC here, David. I think geek is 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 the right. Now word. you're offending me. Yeah. Well. So. Well, then 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 go back to your mom's basement and read some comic books. Uh, all right, fine. Um, yeah. Guys, yeah. guys, what did you guys think? General thoughts, uh, Jordan. General thoughts on Age of Ultron. So, um, me being a, a uh, comic book fan, um, I usually just check that at the door uh, and judge it as a film itself, and I thought that it was one of the weaker Marvel movies I've seen in a while. Um, like Jeremy was saying, I feel like these movies are becoming a commercial for the next movie, and um, with some exceptions, but with this movie, I felt that particularly. Um, in general, though, I thought it was fun, but by far not a great movie. What, where, what, what movies, which Avengers movies were better? Um, did you see uh, Captain America The Winter Soldier? That was a solid film. Where, yes. where I feel that 
it had a plot in it, and yes, there were definitely those things they. So okay, okay you answered my question. Cap, uh, Winter Soldier. What about the first Avengers? You're saying was better. I think the first Avengers was stronger. I still thought that it was, in a sense, a commercial for a larger universe, but it had a it had a story, and it was getting a g- group of people together, and they interacted, and that was fun. And I thought that the the actual story, the plot, it it was it existed, and you cared a little bit more about. The casualties a little bit more, whereas Let, yeah, let's not be naive. Of course, this is a a setup for marketing. Okay, of course, of course, but like, this is, you know, Transmedia's wet dream, and you know what, you, you buy a ticket, take the ride. We we know that you know what we've been asking for in in in, in action movies was you know. You know, integrating serial story in between movies for so many years—they're finally doing it. So, complain about story, complain about screenplay structure, complain about lack of character, but don't talk to me about marketing. But here's the thing, David: uh, I, I don't want to be marketed to. This is this is what we've asked for. Yeah, here's the thing, though: is that I think Jordan brings up a good point that the first movie was better, and the reason the first movie was better—what was it? Was it 2010? Like it was new, and the look was new. And we had yeah. this kind of sense that we were in the comic book. And, and now, you know, we're five, five years further along and we've had a bunch of other installments. And I think a lot of the, the kind of solo efforts that they've gone off, like the Captain America Winter Soldier thing, have been stronger uh, because they're a little bit more focused. And, and, but at this point, this thing's not new. I mean, we, we're, how many movies into this whole saga are we at this point? Right. It's, it's a stale formula at this point, uh, which is kind of what you're saying, Jeremy. And it's like, I wouldn't. I don't mind that. Okay, we have Avengers two, or we have Spider Man remake three, or whatever it is. Like that, I I'm cool with. I don't. I don't have a problem with those titles, with those ideas. I just have a problem with how they're executed and and how they are bringing nothing new to the table. And but the- but don't tell me you didn't enjoy these movie. This movie Ultron. This was a fun movie. This story was well executed. Some of the. Uh, action set pieces were were things I'd never seen before, and they didn't they didn't um, action set piece us to death like like uh, like Superman uh, the Man of Steel, which the last forty five minutes put me in a coma. I'm falling asleep in the middle of a ton of action that's just gratuitous. At least Joss Whedon knows how to execute action set pieces, um, giving us. Uh, visuals we haven't seen before, and interspersing it with really good comedy, like really, you know, Joss Whedonism, the Whedonism type comedy. But um, you know, well, the, well, that was action- the, that's the strongest. I mean, for me, that's what in the end kind of won me over. And I think that yeah, while I didn't come out saying, "Wow, this is an amazing film," I, I, what I did enjoy was were those comedic bits where they're kind of poking fun at themselves. But you know, some of these one-liners where. You know, it got me just laughing out loud. You know, but I would say around that, the action set pieces. I have to disagree. I was kind of actually bored by those. I, I was like, all right, I've seen it—a thing floating in the air—and it was just those did not excite me. They were happening so fast that I just got dizzy. But what, but what I like is that he brought some levity to it. In other words, with the characters, like the, the, by far the best scene is the scene where they're all hanging out at the party in the beginning. You know, and and you just see them. With the with the Thor's uh, hammer, I thought that was a yes. I thought that was an amazing scene because it was just them hanging out, being dudes, and just being a, a gang of people, and like that to me was that was fun, and I, I wanted to see maybe more of that. And it was it was also really great screenwriting because it set up the payoff later when Vision is able to hold the the 
a hammer and, and and anyone who can hold a hammer is worth trusting is 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 worthy so i mean that that's just great screenwriting um but you're right look i'm gonna agree with you that this movie ultron was missing some of the uh, the heart that the original Avengers was missing because the original Avengers, we we were getting the band together. It unified. It was the creation of the Avengers. It was bringing together a bunch of heroes who didn't have a lot in common. It was the beginning of Shield. Um, so there there was a a controlling idea to the movie. Um, for Ultron, it was just another big mission for the Avengers and I, I will agree you know I mean I loved there's a lot of things I loved about this movie but the uh, I mean basically Ultron is the same kind of bad guy as Loki you know, Loki had a, an army of of soldiers and Ultron had an army of soldiers and Loki was pretty powerful and Ultron was pretty powerful uh, so there wasn't a lot of differentiation in the antagonist in this one. I have to but, I have to ask you guys though who are who are comic book guys. I mean, do you feel like the the villains in these movies have the same potency that the comic book villains had cuz my my understanding of the comic book uh, villains is that they were quite intense and 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 like you you didn't quite get rid of them the same way and it feels like we're we're filtering through the the villains here with these different series and and they just they seem a little bit like straw men. What's that like in the your comic book experience? Well, story? well, yeah, well, the idea of these villains is that they linger, is that they come back in the next issue because the idea of comic books in general, and that's kind of I guess the complaint about the movies, but the idea of the comics was we want you to buy next week's issue because it's you know they want you to buy the next it's, comic, right? It's serialized it, storytelling, exactly. So and that's why you know stepping back a little bit, I mean, and especially now in the 21st century in 2015 and these like these would be amazing TV series like something on Netflix or or HBO and that's why Daredevil yeah, I mean, Daredevil da- yeah. Dare, Daredevil is killing it it's, right? it's killing yeah. it it's it's I I mean people are talking about it who are not, are not even comic book fans but you know I think superheroes and just lend themselves to television a lot uh, a lot better than they do uh, um, um, features just- so 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 basically what the villains have to be killed at the end of a film because in storytelling uh, in 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 movies we have to have a resolution right if he if the bad guy lives um it's unsatisfying that's what we're used to it's a lot more like video games um where there's a a big bad at the end of every level and you got to take him out right um and i think you make a good point jeremy but i i think movies call for it and and tv series do not right and so i think Jordan makes a great point that the superhero stuff would work really well in TV. Um, well, I, I think that's get- fair, but I, I think that like if you look at some of the the superheroes that we're more familiar with, uh, who are more you know popular or whatever, like the the villains are like recurring motifs. I mean, you, like the Joker is a recurring motif. You know, like Lex Luthor is a recurring motif. I mean, these are like there's certain like. With some of the comics that we, we understand more deeply because the movies have been out there a little bit longer, I think that the, the villainry is, is more of an entrenched thing. And with these, it's like, okay, Ultron. I mean, I think this movie had a really lame name, like The Age of Ultron, and it's hilarious that it came out like the exact same weekend as the, uh, what is it, the, um, the Age of, uh, of Adeline? I mean, right, like, right. I mean, it's like they basically had like the same, like... It's Ultron versus 
Gossip Girl. Yeah, and, and by the way, in case uh, people didn't notice, uh, the age of Ultron made $187 million this weekend, and the age of Adeline made 6.3, and it was the second movie uh, on the, if you look at the, the you know, the, the total gross uh, expenditures for the weekend. So wow. it was only a $181 million difference. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, you make a great point. And this goes to uh, what you were just saying. Calling a movie The Age of Ultron talks about it being like an epic uh, ten-part series where Ultron's winning, and they've got to break out of The Age of Ultron. I mean, Ultron basically had a a week where he was in charge. It was the week of Ultron. Let alone (laughs) Age. It was like, you know, the, 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 the... half-hour TV show uh, Ultron. I mean, that was one of my problems with the film. But, but any of you have the opening image for Age of Ultron? They're in the uh, they're in the forest. They're like battling, right? They're they're going after uh, what is it, uh, Sokovia? Like the first time, and they're like it's like a dance scene. I mean, it's amazing. It was brilliantly done. Yeah, and um, I I think the opening image is it opens on Loki's scepter. On the uh, the infinity gem glowing inside of uh, yep. Loki's scepter, but yes, it begins with the heroes, um, the Avengers, in this beautifully uh, choreographed um, action set piece where they're attacking this uh, temple or wherever that Loki's scepter is being kept. And how does that uh, match up with the closing image? Anyone have the closing image, the final image? Uh, yeah. So that final image is with the, like the new that the new Avengers, right? With uh, with Vision and uh, Scar- Scarlet, Scarlet Witch, Witch is there. and uh, and we have the uh, dude from Avenger uh, from uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier. Um, so yeah, yeah. So that's you know we have the new gang, the new the new uh, Avengers. And they're ready to go on their next adventure. Yeah. Yeah, we open with the old gang and and the Infinity uh, yep. Stone. And then we end on the new gang and uh, the Easter egg is Galactus putting on the Infinity Gauntlet. So that's uh, pretty, pretty... In terms of story, that's, you know, some bookends to the opening and closing images. But yet, again, like you guys were saying, there's not a lot of heart to this movie. Um, it just seems like a chapter. It was uh, Thanos. Thanos. Uh, excuse me. Yeah. I, not Galactus. Thanos. <laughs> Thanks for... Uh, yeah. You lost all your we nerd needed, cover right there. We needed a comic book expert to get that one straight. Yeah. Just Yeah. Yeah, thank God. I was thank like, God. I was like, when was Galactus in this movie? I was like, did I fall asleep at that point? Yeah, you know, one of my questions about this is how many of the one hundred eighty-seven million dollars spent on this movie this weekend actually understood what the fuck was going on? <laughs> so not important. I'm thinking it's. I'm thinking it's like fifty or sixty million of the total uh, gross that like actually understood what was happening at certain points. They saw su- they saw superheroes kicking butt, and they saw funny one-liners. Joss Whedon is the king of action comedy. This this was more of an action comedy than Guardians of the Galaxy. We talked on the Guardians of the Galaxy podcast about how it was an action comedy, a la uh, Zombie Land, but with a huge budget. 
there was so much great, so many great one-liners in this. So much great comedy. Um, of course, in my advanced comedy writing course, we talk about comedic voice. You know, in a half-hour comedy, you've got four characters with different types of comedy that they do. Uh, they have different comedic voices. They have different shtick. Of course, every character in Joss Whedon's uh, movies have the same comedic voice. It's Joss's type of comedy. Um, this kind of uh, quippy, smart, ironic comedy. Um, but I love it. I ate it all up. Uh, yeah, I mean, I th- I, I'm still I'm going back and comparing it to uh, Winter Soldier, which was written uh, by, I think it was Christopher Marcus was one of the screenwriters on that. Um, so it's so it has has this like it has its own kind of sense of humor and its own sense of uh, you know levity. But it but I just feel that that it treats its it treats the material like in the Winter Soldier like this is some sort of a spy movie and you buy it and you're there and it's all in a sense grounded even for a Marvel movie. And I was kind of shocked when I had seen the Winter Soldier because it was so different in tone I felt from the first from the first Captain America Jeremy Jeremy I did not and I I wish I could bring that perspective I do know that the uh, the Winter Soldier director has been signed up for the the last two Avenger movies because we've got two more coming yes I'm actually excited about that because I I, from what I've seen so far from from the the, the Russo brothers it's Anthony and Joe Russo right Um, I'm actually uh, I I think they they knocked it out of the park with Winter Soldier um, and, and they're just their take on it. I mean, yes, I, I don't dislike Joss Whedon, but I can tell this was a Joss Whedon movie just by the just by the, the the nature of how people were speaking. And but I for something like this, it had to be different. I, I saw that from the first Avengers. I got it. Okay, great. That's that's the Avengers. For this movie, I thought it was going to kind of up the ante, and I felt like it went backwards in, in many ways. It didn't go backwards. It was just yet another chapter. It was just nothing new. Um, the closest, the closest thing I think um, we got to newness were the the two new uh, superheroes, right? We've got we've got um, uh, boring and boringer. <laughs> yeah, the boring yes. twins. The the I the, the I don't know what to do because the screenwriter just had to squeeze us in here last minute. I mean, that's what it felt like to me. It felt like we th- that last minute they had to add these two characters in and they just said all right let's write them because it just seemed shoehorned into scenes where you might as well have just had ultron working by himself and doing those things yeah i don't know i didn't feel that i i felt like it was it was it was it was already it's been used a hundred times in these superhero movies where you introduce two new heroes who are have superpowers this time it's quicksilver and scarlet which um and they're misguided and there's a moment where Ultron steps in and they get to talk about how their their parents were killed by a Stark weapon Um, and so of course they've got to join up with an evil robot guy who's planning to end the world because he sounds he becomes like a father figure to them for a few seconds Um, so that trope is overused I thought Quicksilver was very underused and kind of a boring character, but I thought Scarlet Witch was a lot more interesting um, in terms of her superpower, in terms of her character development. I thought she was a far better used than Quicksilver, and it turns out 
I kept waiting for Quicksilver to get used, and it turns out he was just there uh, so they could kill yeah, it's him. Nice, it's nice to see someone effectively using an Olsen sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't... Well, she's... She's, she's yeah she's very yeah she's very I like I, I didn't mind them in the sense that it's it's the old screenwriting trope friends become enemies and enemies become friends Th- those were the the two characters who floated between camps and it, it made it a little bit more interesting in that regard um, like Quicksilver I totally understood and you know I kind of liked him flying around Scarlet Witch like what's she doing she's just waving her hands around and like magic stuff happens I mean it's a little unclear what her ability is like when she's planting dreams I get it. But some of it, like at the end, she's just like, you know, she, she's like throwing around Davra Kadavra spells like at the end. I, I don't even know what was going on. Yeah, that's true. That's true. She, her abilities are somewhat ambiguous. The dream thing was very good. I read somewhere that Marvel wanted to take the dream yeah. stuff out. Interesting. And I was like, I was like, that's a ridiculous choice. That is, that's her only reason for being there. And to me... One of the biggest challenges when writing a script about superheroes is providing strong enough antagonism towards the Hulk and towards Iron Man and towards all these characters who have amazing powers and Scarlet Witch's uh, ability to give them bad dreams slash make them doubt themselves and their worst nightmares, that, that kind of things come true. Uh, gave her this power over them, uh, even though that they they had this great f- physical prowess. So I thought she was used really well. Quicksilver, not so much. Maybe we'll talk yeah. about that when we get to the ending. Um, how about theme stated? Anyone find a theme stated? Well, before I mean, on on that note, and before I actually get get to a theme stated, I want to just ask you because we're all screenwriters, and I was thinking about this while watching this film that we have a movie here, right? And we have a villain that is essentially, he's consciousness, right? And I was kind of almost thinking about Chappie. Um, But this is like a new form of of consciousness. And your task is to write a script, um, an Avengers movie, with the villain who is just this intelligent, like new version of like, you know, consciousness. And I, I feel that that should have been more of the focus of this movie, of almost like, you know, a child's brain and how a child thinks in terms of uh, good and bad, and and that's how what the Avengers have to go up against. That would have been a much bigger idea, actually. Yeah, I, I, addressing right. AI and addressing the fact that the old sci-fi trope that the the uh, robots turn on us because humans are not to be trusted with this Earth. Uh, there was a great line where he said, "Every time." Uh, a civilization gets to a peak that you know planet earth like reboots or something like that and that would have been a bigger idea for him if he was somewhat righteous if he had somewhat a good idea if his plan was not just to blow up the earth with a meteorite um but yeah it was it came out pretty one-dimensional and yeah he had some interestingly scary lines and I think he rips a guy's arm off at one point. They, I think they did that as a yeah. kill the cat moment. Did you guys see that? Yeah, yeah. That was um, that was Gollum, right? Is that well, okay, Gollum? It's Andy Circus. Yeah, that was Andy Circus. Yeah. Um, oh, I didn't know. Oh, yeah. He played a great, a great. Yeah, arm yeah. Ulysses Claw. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he. 
great cameo. This movie had tons yeah. of great cameos, guys. You can't, you can't, and they and they all had a piece of the action. When Ulysses Claw comes up, he had some great lines. He came and he went real quick, but they gave him meat. And Joss Whedon knows how to do that. Well, so talking about uh, Joss Whedon and, and and his role in this, I mean, like it's been well documented at this point that this was this was a movie that may have pushed him over the edge. Um, and, and he's got some quotes that are pretty candid. You know, this was the hardest work I've ever done. And at the right. same point, when it's that hard, you just feel like you've lost. And he's like, he hasn't even watched the whole thing yet. I mean, he says, like, when I watch it, I just see flaw, 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 compromise, laziness, mistake. Like, like he's haunted by this movie. And, and I think that the, the difficulty that he faces is that Marvel has an agenda. And so I talked about this at the introduction, yes. that we're lining up all these other movies, and we just brought up Ulysses' Claw. So apparently, the Ulysses' Claw scene sets up Black Panther, which is coming out on July 6th of 2018. And uh, Ulysses' Claw slash Andy Serkis is a character seeking revenge for his impaled arm. This is one of six movies. This is one of six no movies kidding. coming out in the next three years. This is why you can go ahead and go into a coma for the next three years. Uh, this is one of six movies coming out uh, that is like built, like the, the, the premise is built into this movie. So why got, does it make you angry, though? I mean, he, he had a great Oh, he's intro, fine. He's fine. Was... But it, may, it, it annoys me because I feel like th- this is, like, I agree with Jordan. And make it a television series. Like, like build right. on it that way instead of making it this series of compromise movies where you've got screenwriters who are trying to work with each other's stuff. So let me go through the six movies really quickly. Captain America Civil War, which comes out May 6, 2016. And it's basically Captain America versus Iron Man. And so you got that whole scene, the wood splitting scene, like where Captain America just like tears the, the wood in half. Like, okay, that was a prim, uh, kind of a prologue to that whole thing. You've got, you've got Doctor Strange, November 4th, 2016. Uh, the Elizabeth Olsen Scarlet Witch uh, character meets Benedict Cumberbatch. I mean, what could be better? Yeah, that just sounds yeah. amazing. Uh, yep. We've got... an Olsen and Sherlock. Yeah, and then we've got Thor coming back in November 3rd, 2017. It's a movie called Thor Ragnarok. And Ragnarok is the, uh, uh. Is the word for apocalypse in North mythology. Okay, that sounds great. Uh, I've yeah, had enough Thor, I mean, by the way. I'm really give me a break. Thor, Thor. Thor kind of stinks. He's actually my least favorite. Yeah, he he probably actually does stink. Um, I talked <laughs> about Black Panther, and then the last one that they're building up to is Avengers: Infinity War, coming out in May of 2018. Right, right. Uh, two parts. Two parts by the, the yeah the, Thanos the versus right. the Avengers. So we've been building up to it forever. I can't wait. It's going to be so great. <laughs> Well, I, I I hope they can do more than a a bad guy with a bunch of little henchmen, you know, attacking Earth. Because we saw that in the first Thor movie, we saw that in the second Thor movie, we saw it in the first Avengers movie, we saw it in Iron Man movie. We need a little bit more cerebral bad yeah. guys. We need a little bit more Lex yeah. Luthor. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's so, I mean, but that's the problem, and you know, Jeremy just hit hit on it where it's you have. These are being written by different screenwriters, and no, Joss Whedon was the main screenwriter on this. No, 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 but he's he's accommodating other people's scripts. Yes, that's the that's the part that's tricky. It's like no one has ever faced this. With with with, 
Yeah, but it's also part of uh, it's like a writer's room. It's like a com a, 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 a one hour drama writer's room where there's a there's a showrunner saying you know we've got to accommodate subsequent episodes. So write your episode, do it your way, but please set up uh, this payoff in your in your episode so we can pay it I'm off. I'm guessing later. he didn't have. I'm and guessing he I didn't have, no have that experience that. on either Buffy or Firefly. Um, well, he was yeah. showrunner on those, so I'm. But you know what? It's a different animal when you've got a $150 million budgeted movie and you're just trying to get your two hours shot. It's a different animal when you when you got a TV but, show to do. So it's I can understand he he might be uh, burned out on it. Not just not just burned out. I, I think, listen, what, what people, you know, there are things going on behind the scenes and, and he wouldn't be the only one to have creatively just been stomped on, you know, it, you know, at Marvel and I get it they have a big vision what they want to do they want to put out a thousand movies and, and make a whole universe I get that I get that from a financial point of view but when you're hiring creative people what ends up happening is they you know creative people want to create and they don't want to just turn out the latest episode of what you know so they want to add something to it that that makes it a film onto itself and it's really hard to do that when you have yeah yeah that's good but let's change that because it's going to add up you know in the three movies that we have down the line and, you know we got I don't think it I don't think it's hard at all I think it's 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 team team writing it goes on in TV writing David I want to challenge you on this here. because this is this is a, a a massive expansive quote unquote franchise that involves a bunch of different characters and a bunch of different years and like a bunch of different concepts and like I, I agree that like there's a collaborative atmosphere that's going on in, in TV writing rooms, but have we ever had such a consolidation of egos as what's going on with this Marvel thing? <laughs> and you know, you're bringing in the new guys. You got the Russo brothers. It's like okay, you guys did a great job. You know, you're the hot stuff on the street when it comes to, to the Marvel comics. We'll see. I bet they've been turned over into someone else within two or three years once we get these other two movies made, I, which. We'll see. We'll we'll see how the Infinity Wars go. But why don't we focus on Ultron? Theme stated. Either of you guys, anyone? I didn't. I couldn't find one until like much more later. Yeah, I'm movie. kind of scratching my head on this, David. Yeah, I'm I'm lost. I didn't find a really good theme stated to uh, till later. Later on, in the fun and games, when Tony Stark is being so. negative about when he he's justifying creating his uh the ultron project in the legion uh because he's talking about all the the crazy stuff that they'd have to fight against and he goes how are you guys planning on beating that and captain america says together that's how we do it you know and it's you know it's your regular teamwork theme stated thing and 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 this movie goes through what they went through in the earlier movie where they end up against each other uh either because for good reasons or either because they're under Scarlet Witch's control. I was wondering the whole time, I was wondering how we were going to get uh, Iron Man versus the Hulk. Like, like That didn't make any sense to me in the trailer, um, but you wanted to get that, the Iron Man Hulk suit. Is there, is there a term for that? The Hulkbuster? The Hulkbuster, right, right. You wanted to get that into the movie, so you had to put Hulk versus Iron right. Man at some point. So uh, the the mind control thing that worked well. D- David, I, I'm, I'd like to so, talk about the structure because I like we've been talking about this and and like I think the structure is super like weird on this movie 
because it's all about Iron Man's hubris. That's the that's the uh, the catalyst, and and uh, it's certainly for me it was the catalyst. Iron Man discovers the intelligence, right? And um, and, and he wants to create the Ultron program to create an AI AI army to fight instead of the Avengers. He's saying, you know what? Let's create a suit of armor around the world. And somebody said, oh, it sounds like a cold world. But the goal was peace in our time. And, you know, I think he's, it it's actually rings true. He's, he's tired of being Iron Man. And by the end of it, he kind of does retire. So, but he had the idea of engineering an army, the Ultron army, to do all the defending of the universe uh, that the Avengers were uh, getting, you know, maybe well, too old and, for that. That's all good, but here's but, my issue with the movie structurally, because it, it's... Like so, so like I think our our A story is kill Ultron. It's the Age of Ultron, right? And our inciting incident is they go and they they grab Loki's scepter, and then they build Ultron, which is the breaking of two. Like we're gonna do this. We're gonna build this like global defense system, and then it goes amok. So it's it's kind of a an original sin incident. But then but then you know what the breaking of three is? The breaking of three is we're going to basically build Ultron again. Like, we're going to go ahead and build another artificial intelligence thing, and this time it's going to work. So right. no one has learned anything. It's just, it's like, okay, Tony Stark is just the man, and, you know, sometimes he fails, and the world almost gets destroyed, but, you know, at least he, he, he balances up. Uh, no, no, the plan wasn't they're going to make another Ultron. They're going to steal... Ultron was trying to create a, a human body for himself to give himself ultimate power, and they... They steal it away from him before he can do it. That's your break into three. No, I mean I'm just arguing about what the plan was. Hey. You know the plan. The plan was you, Ultron's trying to create, turn himself from digital into flesh, and if he if he gets that far, he'll be even more omnipotent. So they're just trying to. But that's all second act stuff. Do. I mean, like when when they like forge the new. The, like whatever that guy's name is, uh, Vision, per Vision, Purple Man. Vision, um, yeah. You know, like that's like a conscious decision. Like that struck me as the the break into the third act. It's like we're going to do this and we're going to go rescue Romanoff and and everything's going to be great from here. There was, for me, the break into three was just the Avengers go to take on Ultron after, uh, and, and that there were a series of I wrote down five finales <laughs> and if if you like blake snyder he does talk about a uh, a five-part finale a storming of the castle um but in this case it was more like lord of the rings kind of five endings jeremy if, if we want to step through it and maybe we can debate the beats as we step through it uh, why don't you take us through it i'm not i'm not interested in debating it i just want to hear what you think the structure is you know in the setup we get the Hydra research base. They attack the Hydra research base, and they get Loki's scepter. Um, we meet the twins. Uh, we get a bunch of one-liners. Some great. Uh, Please be a secret door. Please be a secret door. Right. I love that one. They mention the two girlfriends who are missing, <laughs> right? Because there's there are these uh, weak female leads from the Thor movies, and from. Captain America movies, and they're not—they don't appear right. in this movie. I mean, there's a lot of internet uh, talk about um, the role of of female characters in the Marvel franchises 
being completely underserved. We can get into that later if you want. Um, then the Iron Legion comes forward. Iron Man unleashes the Iron Iron Legion and says, "Oh look, he's got this great pro- uh, program." We meet Black Widow. She cal- she's learned to calm the Hulk and Hulk and, sed- and seduce him maybe a little bit. Uh, Hawkeye's around. We care very little about him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's another thing. Um, like, I'm just gonna jump in right just real quick. Like, Aven- in Avengers. You know, I, the first Avengers, I found Hawkeye to be very not—he was just not interesting at all and not compelling. And I felt like he was underwritten. But here, they, like I, I could almost sense—I could just see them trying to say, "All right, let's make him more interesting. Let's give him a scene with a family, and that'll make that'll make everybody care about him." And I just didn't like. That it, wasn't that wasn't to make him care about him. That was to to set it up so that we cared we, about him dying because they were going to trick us into killing him. And I was hoping they'd kill him. They'd kill him at the end. I was hoping, you know, it was like, he was like, he's like the Jar Jar Binks of this, this, this series. Yeah, nah. Oh, come on. <laughs> Just kill, come on. kill off he, Hawkeye. I mean, he does, he does, sake. I mean, listen, Jeremy Renner, he does, you know, a good job with what he's given, but he's not given much. He's and, not given anything. Yeah, I'm and, not blaming the actor. Yeah, no, no, he's, he's, he, he's got, he has, definitely has talent. I, I would not compare him to Jar Jar Binks. Uh, but, I will say that yeah, he is underwritten and and it just I don't know I feel like he should. I like, I, he has one great line in the movie. He goes, "The city is flying. We're fighting an army of robots, and I right. have a bow." And, and, and he's like, "None of this makes sense." I, yeah, that was a great. Line. None I of this that. makes yeah, that sense. Was a great, that, that was the line where I laughed out loud. I was like, "Okay, good. The writers get it too. Perfect." I'm like, I'm you know, so that yeah, was yeah. so yeah, that I like, but yeah, but yeah, generally I think like. That's a character that you just did not have to shoehorn into the first Avengers. Certainly not this movie either. And and that scene, they this is this is something that in the screenwriters collective workshop we would say yes. x this character out yes. in the second draft or wait, fold wait, him wait into some in. other characters. Like he he can serve some other exactly. purposes, but uh, unfortunately they're beholden to the comic books. And he's the guy with the bone. But even even if you were like okay, we need to have him in there. I, I mean, yeah, there are ways of writing him where. He's important. He can do things other than oh, he's the guy with the bow and arrow. Like and, and and just by putting that line in doesn't excuse like him being lazily written just because they had one funny line acknowledging how horribly written his character is. So like you know there are definitely ways you could have gotten him in there if you had to. If that was what if that was what Disney Marvel said we need this we need Hawkeye in there. You could have sat down and made it more important to the story. But I felt like by putting a scene where we see his kid and his wife, I just still didn't give a shit. And I think that just has to do with the writing. Yeah, and I think that it's a really bad time to try to get an Archer character in front of people and make it matter to them. I mean, Katniss Aver- Everdeen is a far more interesting character, and like she owns the bow. And she on t- owns the and bow. And on TV, Green Arrow owns it. Yeah, so it's just it's tough. I mean, he he needs, and you know, he needs like I, I don't know. He, he he needs a better shtick than just shooting he didn't arrows. Even, at he people. had one cool arrow that like paralyze somebody i was i was hoping for a lot of other really cool arrows i made a note that you know daryl from walking dead could take him no problem oh yeah <laughs> you know? and and the worst line in the whole movie is when his wife is like i've she's like i have no problem with your avenging i don't know what she says exactly but it's about that it's like she uses the verb avenging and i'm like yeah. give me a break like no wife in history ever said that to her superhero husband. I don't. I don't have a problem with that stuff. That's part of the universe, man. Yeah, it's, God. It's cutesy, but so I, I'm buy the ticket, take the ride kind of on this one. Yeah, I guess uh, on so. That one. 
Um, I got some land to sell to you, man. <laughs> hey, if there's superheroes on it, I, I'll pay $18 a ticket. Yeah, there's a superhero there for sure. Catalyst, Iron Man discovers intelligence and wants to create the Ultron program with AI. I, I don't want to hear... I don't want to hear that man shouldn't meddle speech, Iron Man says. And Dr. Banner, this is the debate. We go right into debate. Iron Man and, and the Hulk, Dr. Banner, debate whether creating AI on their own makes sense. And... Iron Man's like, I don't want to hear we shouldn't meddle. We need to save the world. Ultron is born, and he speaks to Jarvis. And Jarvis is like, what's going on? And uh, Ultron quickly learns that humans are evil and goes back through our history and finds out that we're not to be trusted with the Earth. I, I have a question. Um, Does Tony Stark watch movies? Like, Because if he saw any movies ever, ever. Like, like from Terminator <laughs> to... Anything, anything sci-fi, uh, he would have realized that this is a bad idea. Yeah, and, I mean... And I don't know. Like, th like that just seemed like a stretch. Right. Like, yeah, I'm going to create this all-powerful, intelligent thing. It's like people are even looking at the internet like it's dangerous and it might become self-aware, let alone creating this, you know, intelligence that is more, you know, more superior than the internet and smarter. Okay, and, and this is where, this is where yeah. you two are really right on the whole marketing <laughs> thing, Jeremy, and this is where you're really right, because at the, at the base level... They are bound by certain stories, and this, I'm sure, was part of the origin story of Ultron in the comic book, so they were bound by it. And you know what? It might have been new when it was written 35 years ago before Terminator, et cetera, et cetera, but it's not new on the screen. And again, the Hawkeye thing, he bound by having him in the Avengers at all. So maybe you guys are... Your point's... And this is where people are going to get on me for being like a DC fanboy. I'm not, I don't, when it comes to the movies, I judge movies like movies. But if you go to something like, you know, like The Dark Knight and you see something like The Joker and you're like, well, that's not how it was in the comics, but it doesn't matter. Like the point is that this is what the character is. Like this is the essence of the character. We don't need the blow by blow. We don't have to do exactly what the comic books did because we're not doing the comic books. We're doing a movie version of the comics. And I think Marvel sometimes likes to do it like, it has to be bit for bit exactly how it is in the comics, and I think sometimes it's uh, unfortunately it's Do you, the movie suffers, you know. Well, and and that's a good point because they they are ideologues, like they're just like they they've like you know this this is the the law you know the world that we've created, and this is the world that you're all gonna abide by, and I think it's a little problematic because it's not necessarily contemporary. And, you know, like, this, this movie is burdened down by too many expectations and too many people feeling like we need to have this, 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 and this in this thing. And it's, it's just, it's a mess. Like, I think the core story about AI and, and you know, Tony Stark's, you know, just hubris and, and all of that is, is great. Yeah. Like, yeah, we Scarlet just stick Witch with that. Scarlet brings it back later. She says she allowed them to get the the scepter because she sensed in Tony Stark that he couldn't not go there so that I mean it was in there but it wasn't it was it didn't we didn't get we didn't get grabbed by it actually you guys brought up an interesting point I'm thinking about Game of Thrones right now and how they adapt the novels and how they adapt the novels from Game of Thrones very I was accurate. just thinking the same thing yeah and and how HBO uh D.B. Weiss and David Benioff adapt those novels fairly closely but they also are known to to do some departures i wonder if fige and whedon and those guys are bound more or less 
than the Game of Thrones crew. What do you guys think? Way more. They're they're like I mean Marvel has a has a stranglehold on this thing and they're trying to control it and build into these stories and you understand you look at the roster of things that's going to come and the schedule of movies to come out I get it but it would actually make a lot more sense just to have like kind of an overall vision and and like people tying it together and 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 building something and and deviating from the text yeah. I mean it's yeah. it, it's really complicated to try to stick to this text yeah in great great adaptation requires you to keep what works from the original text to expound on it to improvise and to cut what doesn't work and to make a, a new piece of art from it you can't just you can't just i mean you, you look at the harry potter movies and you see where they fall down on a story level because they were that most of the early ones and a lot of the later ones really just too too faithfully adapted. They're long and they feel chapter oriented. They feel like really long books. They don't yeah. feel. I mean, like if movies. you look at you know uh, using Game of Thrones as a uh, a comparison, if you look at like a, a character like Daria, right, which is uh, was Khaleesi's you know now boyfriend. Uh, so, in the books, he's described as being like I think a purple skinned kind of guy that has like some crazy dreads and he looks nothing like that he's some white guy with a beard on game of Th- that sounds awesome though it does but but i think because the the show has this look and feel to it of like this uh you know um this uh, you know medieval kind of time ah uh, they said nobody who looks like an alien they don't want any aliens in this business this is swords and sandals with a tad of dragon we don't want anybody who's purple with with dreads yeah so yeah but like that's that's something where you know i feel like if this was a marvel situation they'd be like nah it's got to be that because that's the way it was in the comics and and the fanboys will be angry yeah but but here's the thing the fanboys and i you know i i get very you know i drive myself nuts reading like you know the the comments of, of like all these news stories that break out <laughs> they all bitch. They never read the comments I, I know it's just this is when i want to get aggravated and they all bitch and complain and i can just picture these fucking 18 year old kids who never read a comic book in their life getting pissed off because they they heard somewhere that it was that it was different in the comics and they're screwing it up. I guarantee eighty five percent of those people never read a fucking comic in their life, and the ones that are and are legitimately angry are are not movie fans. They're just they're just com- you're trying to make sense of internet comments. It's a good point. It's a good point. I mean, yeah, that's that's uh, yeah. I guess you can't win that battle. So yeah. Hey, David, I want to hear the the end of your your beat sheet. Thank you, thank you. B story. We get to chat about the ladies who are not there, and then Hulk and Black Widow get to flirt. Not Black Widow. Uh, Hulk and Romanoff, and and they flirt film noir style. In uh, she plays like this femme fatale, and he tries to play a little detective at the bar. It's kind of sexy, and then we kick. This is basically the fun and games kicking off. They have the Avengers party. War Machine tells stories. You get the uh, guys from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show up. Stan Lee shows up. Lots of great interpersonal relationship stuff in these scenes. Tenpole movies don't usually take the time for this kind of character development, okay? The whole scene with the hammer trick was so well done. And 
I found myself wondering how the hell does Joss Whedon do this with six main characters once it I'm amazed as, as a screener I mean I know how he does it is because he used to write TV and he had to deal with ensembles all the time and Whedon is an ensemble specialist even Quicksilver has a little backstory about his family um, but fun and games continue oh great one-liner when they when Tony Stark goes to pull the uh, the hammer of Thor out. He's like, I will be reinstating Prima Nocta later. That's <laughs> nice. That's a great like uh, reference from uh, Braveheart. Ultron walks into the party, talking about Worthy and you're the killers, and he was tangled up in strings, and he had to kill the other guy, meaning Jarvis. Now we've got fun and games. we got a set piece where Avengers versus the Ultron Legion at the party. Some kicking... Uh, uh, they do some ass-kicking there. Ultron escapes over the internet, which is very convenient. He continues to do this throughout the film. <laughs> and he should continue to do it indefinitely. Like, this is, <laughs> this is a great shtick, and it should continue. Guess what? I don't even know how they killed the last one in the end because they kind of say, "Oh, here's the last one." I'm like, "There's a last one." I, he's the he's internet dead. broke. Yeah, they broke the internet. Um, Jarvis is dead. Uh, Thor and Captain America are angry at Stark for for this project that he did with David Banner. Tony's a little righteous about it. Then that's uh, he's like, "Hey, how did you?" That's where he gets that line. How are you guys planning on beating them all? And there's like, together. That's why we do it. Ultron recruits the twins. Uh, but we, and we get, uh, we get inside of uh, Scarlet Witch's head saying that she knew that Stark would take things too far. Do, do you want to just run through this and we'll, and we'll just like talk after? Because I, like, I have a couple things to say, but I'm holding back. Well... Well, you know, make a comment. This is a conversation. All right. Well, it, it had to do with that first Ultron fight um, when he when he becomes when he walks in there and he's looking like uh, he's walking in like he's drunk um, and mm-hmm. uh, drunk chappy. Yes, drunk drunk chappy. <laughs> well, they had a great for, uh, 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 image when his face gets thrown uh, acid on it by one of the oh. uh, one of the protesters oh. and that. That he gets, it was like foreshadowing that this uh, this guy is going to become Ultron. Right, right, right. And there was a, gr- a little bit when the the Legion was like helping out in the streets in Eastern Europe, right. the people didn't like him, so it was kind of like uh, a comment on imperialism, and and that goes to that bigger theme that we were hoping for. Yeah, right? I I would have liked to see. I mean, we go from that to like, okay, he's alive and he's bad. Okay, he's the bad guy. And, you know, we understand why he's doing this, but he's right away bad. Whereas if I were kind of to tackle it in my head, I would say, all right, well, if his if he thinks he's doing the right thing, he can like, why does he have to hate the Avengers right off the bat? And this whole like internal monologue thing that we hear, I feel like this is a movie. I don't want to hear him talk to himself. I want to see something. So take that and expand it into a scene where maybe the Avengers go on a mission with Ultron and he's helping them. And then he's like, wait a minute, you know, we're doing more harm than good. And it's a slow transition to his to his view of the world which conflicts with the avengers view and 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 i and i yeah that worked. i i like i i, I know what yes. you're saying they, they you gotta earn yes. it more but then we have we have chappy the movie in the middle there you know and we, or we have 
you know, where he learns that the, what is it, iRobot, the right. movie. I mean, there's so many versions. But I wouldn't mind, but, but that would still feel more like a story. In other words, that, that's a character now that has, that's slowly transitioning. Even if we've seen it a million times, fine. But it, it's, it's in an Avengers movie. It has to do with their story. And it's Ultron. But here it's like, okay, internal monologue. I just felt like this, so all that information, yeah. just while I'm watching this CGI blob in front of me, it was, I, I just felt like it was a waste of time. It's like, okay, no, this is a movie. Was there anything that you liked, or you? No, I know. I, I, it sounds like I'm bitching a lot. No, I said I, I, I liked the smaller things. I did like, like everything that happened at that party when they're when they're hanging out together, when they're interacting with each other. I would say that yeah. that because there was a ton of moments yeah. like that. I think in, in for a tentpole movie, there was a ton of great moments where they sat around like a family. Later on, we get to the house and it's a little corny, but they're hanging out at the house and they're talking and. There's good character development there, which you never see in Temple. Yeah, now listen, this is, for me, it's an easy movie to shit on just because on a screenwriting level, like, I, there's so many problems I have that as a film, but when you, but, but, but putting that aside, if we're talking about the yeah. positives, like, yeah, it's not, it's not easy to make a uh, I, I, I just keep seeing screenwriting successes. This thing was so hard to write. I, I agree, I agree, but that, I've seen that it, said, it off. That said, David, like, let's let's move to the end of your beat sheet. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what do you see as the low point and the break into three in this movie? Um, let me let me just do the midpoint. So there's a ton of set action set pieces, a bunch of cameos, uh, false victory when Iron Man finally subdues Bruce Banner after he's his he's been uh, brainwashed by Scarlet by uh, Scarlet Witch. The midpoint is when they go to the safe house. Because uh, they took a hit. They said, oh, we almost lost that one. Bad guys close in. Um, they've got a plan, l- plane landing in the force that looks a lot like R- Return of the Jedi. Um, they're on the safe house, and the farm reminds me of that entire season of Walking Dead where I wanted to kill myself. So we've managed to reference both the forest moon of Endor and the worst season of Walking Dead at the same time. <laughs> I'm, I'm buzzing through my notes here. Uh, it turned... Turns out that uh, Hawkeye, it was Hawkeye's house with his kids. Pretty sure Hawkeye's going to buy it at this point. I'm unsatisfied that he didn't. Oh, they have a great transition. Um, Hawkeye's wife needs him to be careful. And Hawkeye says, this is my last project. Um, and um, remember Hawkeye had the, the tissue regeneration on his, uh, on his tummy after he had a little boo-boo earlier in the movie? It's, which becomes how Ultron creates tissue later. Um, right before, right at the end of the, the farm scene, his wife touches the that part of his tummy and is like, oh, I can tell the difference, to remind us about the tissue. We get a betrayal. Finally, the twins figure out when once uh, Ultron is a half a human body, Scarlet can tell what he, can finally read his mind and tell... He's gonna take over, or he's gonna destroy the world. Um, let's see, another set pace, a highway fight, get the vision body, and let's see, it's getting slow here. I wrote as a note in the second half part of the second act. What's my low point? It's Black Widow getting kidnapped, right? Romanoff is kidnapped. Yeah. That's right, when she's taken. Ultron has some Dark Knight of the Soul conversation. Iron Man has some Dark Knight of the Soul conversation. And break into three is we've got to go get Ultron. We've got to get him before he 
can convert himself into the human, the tissue body. That that's the plan for Act Three. Go get him and uh, kill. Get that body because it and because it, it has the Infinity Stone in it. It's a it's a, just a basic MacGuffin scenario. And then we get five finales. So uh, are the Infinity Stones the MacGuffin? Yeah, I mean... They're going to be the MacGuffin for the next six movies. That's what the Infinity Wars are about. It's getting all the little gems and putting them in the gauntlet. And once you have all the gems in the gauntlet, it turns into a power glove and you can play Super Mario Brothers 3. Is that how we go from Ultron to Voltron? <laughs> we, 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 um, I don't know what happens if you put all the stones in in the gauntlet but uh is that like not crossing the streams like it shouldn't be done or you shouldn't cross the streams yeah but so did i take you there jeremy to the end there yeah you took me there i mean it's like it's it's ponderous i like can we talk a little bit about black widow because it is the it is the controversy right yes so what's the controversy on the web you represent the controversy for us yeah the the controversy is that black widow is uh potentially a badass character and uh, it's scarlett johansson so anything she does people are going to watch and they give her all these kind of lame layup kind of scenes uh the the she turns into kind of a damsel in distress uh you know the romance with bruce banner slash hulk is preeminent in the whole situation and it's, a, it's the b story of the movie yeah i mean there's only one chick on the team right. there's only so. one chick on the team but she does not have a lot of interesting things to say and that's the issue right. and and so this has turned into something like much larger than that and people are criticizing marvel because they don't have any black widow merchandise which is kind of ah, yes it's kind of weird like why wouldn't you sell that why don't you have a Black Widow movie lined up? Because it's going to be amazing. If, Lu- right. if Lucy can sell, then Black Widow is going to be crazy. Black Widow I, is like a hundred million. I, I read the the three hundred million dollar movie. Is that it's because it's Disney owned and Disney already owns the little girl market with all with with Frozen and all of the princess stuff. They don't need to make money. This is the, how they make money off boys. If we have this, Batman they, meets Superman, why can we, we not have Frozen meets uh, Black Widow? <laughs> like, let's just do it. Like, it'll be amazing. You just, you just yeah, I'm going to write that, like, right now. You just blew my mind. I just gave it to Disney. Go have fun, guys. <laughs> Go have fun. Uh, amazing. Um, and and so, so, again, with the controversy, I read that Joss Whedon quit Twitter today because he's being criticized for... Yeah, and, and stuff. how how ridiculous is that? I mean, this is the guy who who brought us Buffy, who brought right, us Firefly, right. which is like yes. a, a hardcore, Thank like you. you know, strong feminist script. And and this right. guy is getting like this is why people are saying this is the like the the worst job he's ever had, and this is gonna like this is gonna kill him and stuff because it's like this guy is a serious hardcore screenwriter who's done nothing but lend good. To female protagonists. Dollhouse was a, was a was a, a, a TV series with the main character, strong female protagonist. He writes great strong female protagonists. Before he got the Avengers job, he was struggling in Hollywood to get Wonder Woman. Yep. Made. Yep. For like two years, he had a script. He was greenlit once. At one point, he was trying to get Wonder Woman made um, with uh, with. Uh, the girl from Fire. And, and not that it's a good alien movie, but look at like Alien Resurrection where you have Ripley 
who in that movie is like, you know, she is the main protagonist. She's a freaking badass. And I think that's not a terrible alien. I, I've actually referenced that before okay. on this podcast. I really like Alien yeah, Resurrection. Yeah, I, I don't think it's. I think with a few more rewrites, it could have been amazing. I, I think. I think as a movie, it's not. It's not the yeah. worst. But I. I agree. Going after Joss Whedon for not, uh, being, for not championing, female protagonists. It's you, you've got the wrong right. guy. If, if, you got to go go after Marvel yeah. for that. That makes sense. It. You know, the whole thing with the toys makes sense. Even. Um, uh, who's the actor who plays the Hulk? Uh, Mark Ruffalo. Mr. Handsome. Ruffalo tweeted a picture of his two daughters holding a set of action figures and said, Hey, Marvel, I need more uh, Black Widow merchandise for my girls. That, all that, so, yeah, all that, that said, like, they didn't do a good job with the character. I mean, you, yes. you've got... Okay, yes, you've got, back to the writing. Like she's she's basically just like a romantic trope for this whole thing, and then she's got this sterilization story, which pissed that pissed a bunch oh. of people off, and it was it, like it that, was it, that is why yeah why are we, we why are we making this a movie and you know we got three guys talking about this movie here, so I'm just gonna caveat that, but but right. like yes, yes. W- why is that a theme? And, and, you know, it's just, and she's, there's kind of the, the bar scene that was referenced earlier. There's kind of an allusion to how maybe she's kind of been around the block and, you know, and maybe she has something with Iron Man and we know that from earlier movies and there's like Hawkeye in you, like innuation, like from earlier and then Captain America. And now we're, we're onto the Hulk and it's like, it's not right. And we ha- we, ha- we also have the, uh, that, that those interviews that Jeremy Renner and, uh, Evans made where they actually called Black Widow a slut. Yeah, I mean, it's like they, they didn't do a good job with this character. They could have. They were they were they they subtly knew. I mean, those actors they're not geniuses. They're right. actors. We shouldn't look to them to be role no. models, whatever. But just the fact that it was on their mind that everyone was thinking that that character is this slut character. It it, it means that that that's how it felt on set, and that's how it felt in the creative minds of everyone over at Marvel. I, so yeah, I, they, they they didn't service this character very well at all. And I, I will say that the first Avengers movie had a lot more. Romanoff yeah. was was built in as someone who could get secrets out of people and that was her superpower and it, le- it led to uh, her, it led to uh, the break in the three. She was able to create the new information for the break in the three in the first Avengers movie using her superpowers. In this one, she's basically the romantic lead. Yeah, I was gonna say, in, 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 and I know Jeremy, you didn't see it, but in, in the Winter Soldier, I, I had, and I keep on bringing it up, but just because it to me it was one of the stronger Marvel films. Her, her role in that, you know, yes, there's a scene where she's, uh, you know, making out with, you know, uh, Captain America for a distraction, for distraction purposes, whatever. I just felt that she was crucial and she, you know, she was, when she entered a scene, she was badass and, and you didn't feel like, oh, they're just writing a, you know, slutty female character. I felt she was uh, used very appropriately in that movie. Having said that, I can't, I can't just jump on that bandwagon of, oh, it's, you know, it's pure just sexism, all this, because if you look at it, Jeremy Renner's um, Hawkeye, like, he's underwritten too and he doesn't have a lot to do either. And, and, and <laughs> you know true. what I'm saying? And, 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 where, where where are the archery people right. on Twitter? But no, and, 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 I, and whether it was intentional or not, yes, is it there? Absolutely. I just don't. I, I just no, don't think there was this undertone of like let's make this, let's make her the slutty whatever. You know. I, 
No, but there's you, you have to look at the context of filmmaking today, and it, this is not just a, a problem in Avengers. This is a problem in filmmaking right. in general. It's a problem with the number of roles for female actresses. Yeah, it sucks in Hollywood it sucks. movies. Yeah, it, it's 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 a uh, it's 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 a problem in. But I, but I think the the problem that. with this script and and the problem with this movie is is larger than that because they because they were so tied to the idea of the original comic books they didn't see a market and like there there's a huge market here to to make this more interesting like and make it more like attractive to females and and i i just think that like her character uh, yeah she, you know maybe she she resonated in certain points in in earlier movies but they they definitely did not give her the benefit of the doubt as far as like giving her strong roles at this point and it's just it's it's not an effective use of the of the actress. It's it it's 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 the same kind of lazy screenwriting we've seen over and over. Hollywood fluff for minority characters, for women characters. Right. Um, Hollywood is, you know, under siege. The 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 feature film script development system is 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 crumbling under the, the weight of its imperfections television is taking over where we get real characters we get shows like orange is the new black we get shows like transparent where we get we get shows like empire even already characters and stories are being told with depth and hollywood is is stuck let, let me just say one thing though. Did, did you guys did you guys see the SNL skit from this weekend with you know with, with Scarlett Johansson and you know the uh, like she's dating Ultron? Did you guys see that? I didn't see I, it. I didn't. I, see I mean, it's it, it's freaking amazing, and and it should be seen because. SNL sucks now, but it, it, they they nailed it. This uh, they've been doing okay this season. Yeah, like I mean, yeah, we're we're you know faint praise, but like they completely nailed it. And like she meets like Ultron in the park, and it's like it's like, it's like it's like Legally Blonde, like but she meets Ultron, and then like Ultron gets upset and throws his bus into the Fashion Weekly building, which is like where she works, and then he like later like paints. Like I'm sorry and fire on the side of a skyscraper. Like I mean, it is freaking hilarious. And and so we have this this great kind of comedic moment so, that we can so take out Scarlett of this. Scarlet poking fun at what she knows. The actress, you know, poking fun at what she knows to be a problem in this huge, definitely tent, tent pole studio behemoth. Definitely. She's she is messing with them, and and you know what? I bet Whedon is probably on board with it. He would never admit it, but yeah. like you know, he, the guy is not. Who knows? He might have ghostwritten the sketch. He he could have written it for SNL. I mean, it was funnier than the, what they normally do. So I I actually would think it was probably him. You guys have any uh, problems or, or things you liked about the third act? Because we are running out of time. I want to I want to I want to I want to finish up because I had like. Five different finales, but they all moved pretty quickly. It wasn't like I remember in uh, the Dark Knight, we got to f there was f about four finales, and by the time we got to, through the second finale, I was like, I love this movie, but please can it be over? Right. Um, yeah, I, I think here um, similarly. I mean, where we have um, them saving the you know the P 
people from that in that town and and all that going on. Um, the, and then you have, you know, what I'm talking about where and yeah, then you it's have the like flying town, yeah, the fly, yeah, the flying town. Yes, <laughs> well said. Um, so you have that happen, and and that, and then you have, uh, you know, Hawkeye coming back to you know his wife and. Yeah, no. They, they to, set up. They set up Hawkeye saying, "This is my last mission," and then we get Hawkeye yeah. almost dying on the last mission. I wish they just killed him off. That would have been so much easier. You're like, you know, yeah. let's you know, let's get rid of this guy. Well, yeah. And instead, they yeah, kill, off kill off Quicksilver, the character who barely yes, had time and, to breathe. Yeah, and you're like, oh, and, and they play like the sad music when he's dying, and like slow mo, and they're like, oh. And I'm like, I, I don't know. They, I don't, they had a good one-liner payoff, though. He's like, I bet you didn't see that coming, because they. That know, was, was good. Well that that was that, that that was well done. But having said that, it's still like I don't know enough about you, dude. Like I don't yeah. care enough. We didn't and, care and, enough and about sucked. Quicksilver. So when he died, it moved us. Had we had had they killed Hawkeye, we might have been like, oh, his poor family and his poor girls. But that would have been like really pushing it. I I want to say that I thought that. Well, I have a whole problem with the floating world thing. You know, I mean, Ultron is supposed to be super smart and stuff, so he put, like, a bunch of engines on on a town and then earthquaked the town, and then he was going to rise it up and so that he could smash it back down because he couldn't get control of, right. like, a nuclear weapon, right? So yeah. Basically, right. he, you know, in his research, he watched Armageddon with Ben Affleck and was like, oh, we're <laughs> going to do the extinction-level event thing from there. I'm just going to... You know, put some engines on it, which reminds me of Flash Gordon, um, the original Flash Gordon. That that whole world where there's just like chunks of Earth flying, um, and uh, Timothy Dalton is is. is I mean, running. so so they're trying to save the town of Sokovia, which I've never heard of and I've never been to, but I, I I'm sure it's very. Eastern Europe is where the it, twins were from. It's it's Eastern Europe. Yeah. It's very nice. Uh, and and <laughs> I, I have no doubt. How's the skiing there? I, I, I think it's lousy because it's flat. But um, okay. the people of <laughs> the people of Sokovia, they're the long suffering people of Sokovia, and we do not want them to suffer. And the last thing we want is to see their town uprooted and elevated to eighteen thousand feet, and then dropped to the ground as if it was a comet to create an extinction-level event. I think we can all agree that this is the last thing the long-suffering people of Sokovia deserve. So uh, it's, it's terrible. Let's, it's just, terrible. let's just look at this and just say no <laughs> other town's population has ever faced a worse plight than this. And let's also say, who the fuck cares? I mean, give me a break. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Although I will say that compared to Metropolis and Man of Steel, this wasn't so bad. Yeah, well, actually, could be worse. Now, now that you you remembered the name of it, I was just wondering: is it is it the hometown of of Quicksilver and Scarlet? Is it their Eastern European town that, we, that was bombed to hell by in a war th with Stark weapons? I don't know. Jordan's be... the Wikipedia guy. All I know is that <laughs> is that if you put in Sokovia, it comes out as a Marvel property. Okay, here's here's what yeah. I think. I think in in his uh, movie research, Ultron should have watched uh, Armageddon. Shouldn't have watched Armageddon. He should have watched the original Superman movies. He should have just cut a chunk out of the moon and and thrown it down at the planet Earth. Why you gotta cut off a piece of Earth and go up against gravity when you know the moon is right up there? 
Go fly to the moon. I, cut off the uh, cut off a piece and throw it down to us. I like the idea of creating a comet. It sounds nice. <laughs> yeah. Or go into the go it, go get Haley's comet and throw it and just like push it off course or something. Yeah. This is it's a really weak a idea for a third. Act, it's it's a straight it? up Bond's concept. I mean, it's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they did, but what they did need was. We, we needed to be one geographic area where all five or six of, the, of our heroes could be fighting different battles. So we needed a whole di- bunch of set of sets of innocent people uh, to protect and to set up all the head-to-heads. I mean, there's like five different head-to-head battles going on in the end. Um, of any of them, did you guys... What was your favorite? Guys, let's try to end on a positive note. Of any of the head-to-head battles... In the, in the resolution, which ones did you like? Because Iron Man versus Iron Man versus uh, Ultron was pretty boring. I liked I liked it when Scarlet pulled out Ultron's heart at the end because she 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 just lost her brother. That was pretty badass. I thought Vision Vision when he finishes off like the last Ultron robot, like that last line he has as he just kind of like blasts him away. Yeah, that was a nice quaint moment about the nature of humans. Yeah, and I thought that, you know, yeah. It, um, I forget the line exactly, but I, I remember I remember it being very oh, sweet. Ah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. You, 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 yeah. Humans are odd. They believe yes. order and chaos are, are uh, opposites, and yes. they're trying to control both. They're, yeah, as if that means anything. Like, what the, what the hell does that mean? Order and chaos co- mean is, different things? This is philosophy. Okay. It's not philosophy. <laughs> this it's is, bullshit. This is deep. It's this like, is deep. There is grace in their failings. They're doomed. Yes, but the goal is, is is not to live forever. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's easy to say for someone with an you know infinity stone embedded in his head. In his head. Yeah, yeah. That but guy. That guy skin. just sucks. <laughs> I thought he was cool, man. I thought he was cool. He's cool, um, but I don't want to see like seven other Infinity guys. Like, I don't want to see that. Like, that just sounds boring. Yeah. I like the fact that he wasn't CG. That it was actually makeup on a guy's face. Like, that was refreshing. Let's let's sum it up, guys. Um, you know, something positive, something negative uh, about Avengers, or do whatever the hell you want. If you guys want to. I feel like I've been defending the movie the whole night. Yeah, <laughs> and keep defending it, but I got a few things. I liked it. I, got, I liked it. Uh, yeah. It was... I, I liked it, and I, and, I, and I took it for what it was. And I'm amazed by Joss Whedon's screenwriting skills, how he can do so much with so little, or do so much with so many uh, obstacles, and still be funny, and still uh, give each character enough meat. I mean, even... Even the, the 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 who's the guy who loses the arm? Gollum. Yeah, Gollum. He has a Andy Circus. Li- he has a funny line about cuttlefish. He's like, uh, if you see him to my brain, I'm like, my biggest fear is cuttlefish. Yeah, They're Ulysses like, Craw. <laughs> Here, here's so, here's my thing is that I think yeah. I think that it is a, a it's uh, it's an honest effort by and Whedon's part, and he's trying to make the most of it. We haven't even talked about this yet, but. One of the most ironic and interesting things about this is that this thing premiered the same weekend as, as uh, Mayweather Pacquiao, and yeah. and the the pay per view event like beat out the movie, and and if wow. you take that out of it, they probably beat the first Avengers, even though they don't deserve to beat the vi- first Avengers oh. in gross in gross like. 
But if you look that's around the great. world, that's great. That's why they didn't win because of Pacquiao yeah. and Mayweather. If you, wow. if you look around at, at this thing, this thing made four hundred thirty-nine thousand or four hundred thirty-nine million dollars internationally so far. It made fifty-five point four million dollars in Korea. It made twenty-five point five million dollars in Mexico, which is the biggest of all time. It made six hundred twenty-seven million dollars globally, which it's on pace to be a billion-dollar franchise. So the fact of the quality doesn't matter. This thing is here to stay. This thing yeah, is it's, like it's critic proof. Just to to quote, quote Billy Bob Thornton from Armageddon, this is a global killer. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and unfortunately, the Sokovia, like, comet event is also a global killer, even though yeah. no one gives a shit. Is Sokovia going to get their own spinoff <laughs> movie? I yeah, hope it'll so. be a new TV series on Netflix. It'll be like Down Abbey. It'll be like Upstairs, Downstairs of Sokovia. Jordan, yeah. your last thoughts on Age of Ultron. So, you know, listen, if I were to be given this project of making a, an Avengers film and, and I had all these uh, you know characters I had to kind of shoehorn uh, into my script... I would probably turn out the biggest pile of shit, I'll be honest, because it, it, is, it is not an easy fucking task, and I'll give Joss Whedon a lot of credit for doing it, and I think that the fact that I saw this movie, and I wasn't I wasn't rolling my eyes, I wasn't like watching Transformers or anything like that, it wasn't that bad, it was just... <laughs> Thank you. It was a superhero movie uh, that will... Yeah, was it fun? I saw it in a movie theater with kids who really enjoyed themselves, and that just told me something... I even put it on my Facebook uh, page where I was like, maybe I'm just getting too old. And maybe this was made for uh, a younger audience, whereas I think Winter Soldier had in mind, all right, let's keep in mind that there are adults that want to watch this too and be entertained. Here it was it was fun, but that's about it. There was no substance, and I felt like it could have had that um, had, there, had, 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 a, had a screenwriter been allowed to actually create something um, a little bit more than just a popcorn movie. There are huge tentpole movies that I cheer for their success and I want them to win and then there's the ones that I don't want to win Superman vs. Batman Dawn of Justice I, I'm not cheering for it I, that thing is when that thing comes out compare that to the original Avengers or even to this one and it's gonna fail it's gonna pale in comparison right. It's going to be a disaster. In fact, I think we should do that on this podcast yeah. when it, when it uh, when Dawn of Justice comes out. Uh, compare the how they handle six core characters of of uh, of of you know epic mythology in in a two hour film um, and see how they handle that. Um, David, I, I gotta agree with you. Like the the like the previews of this movie were the worst part. Like, we got mm. Batman versus <laughs> Superman or Superman versus Batman. I don't care. I don't know why they're fighting. Like, all I know is just like... It doesn't make sense. Screw those fighting. guys. Why does everyone hate Superman? Yeah, it's just like, whatever. It's like, I like Superman. He's cool. We got ads for Ant-Man. I mean, give me a break. Like, <laughs> that should just be a comedy. I think that's just... Can we just have Ass-Man? Yeah. Like, when is Ass-Man gonna, like, arrive on the scene? Like... Oh, you're, you're, you're there. It, yeah, okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna let's, put just, in let's just throw in every Superman ever. I mean, let's throw in like Squidman. You know, let's throw in like. Yeah. But then there, but then there's uh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens, which I'm cheering for, which I'm yeah. I'm trying to stay spoil free for because that's gonna. That's kick different ass. though. That's not like saying like, oh, we got like 
you know, spleen man, you know, and it's just like, who cares? <laughs> like, who cares? Like, no, we have yeah. like well, descendants. Says the guy who doesn't read We said descendants of Luke Skywalker. I care about that. And that just came out in the uh, last 24 hours. So, you know, maybe we're getting some characters here. I care about those well, things. Listen, spoilers. The, the, there will be superhero fatigue. It'll happen whether, whether sooner or later. I don't know. It's going to happen. Does one one of these movies bombs? That's it. If they if they lose money on any, on any of these movies in the future, or if they don't make money, it's 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 over. Like th- they only continue to make movies if they make money. But and I think they're not at some point. They're not losing money. They spent two hundred fifty million dollars in this movie, and they've made four hundred plus on it so far. And we're like, I'm not saying it's gonna happen tomorrow, but there was a there was an era where th- that Hollywood just popped out western after western after western after western, and people bought tickets for it. And I think that we're just in an era of superhero movies, and we haven't gotten fatigued yet because people are really enthusiastic about it. They like it, and it's fun. Right. At some point, I do feel like the kids of this generation are gonna grow up and be like, all right, enough of this shit, and the adults are gonna get older and just be like, all right, enough of this. I think shit. the era that um, we are in is the era of indie film opportunism. It has not been this way since the 90s. This is garbage. Like, there's a bunch of garbage being churned out for large amounts of money. And if you have something that's good and original and it's fun, you're going you're gonna to actually rise to the top because people want real movies. They don't want this crap. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right, Absolutely. Right. There's going to be it's, – it's a time for independent film and it's a time for television. Yep. It's the third golden age of TV. Absolutely. Um, which means and web I, dramas, I, web, web series. Yep. Absolutely. You never know. You never know. I think we should do more of that on this podcast. I think we should yes. do more t- TV reviews. Agreed. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that, that that sums it up, guys, because we've got plenty, plenty of uh, plenty of dissenting uh, and concurring opinions. This is the script produced by Jordan Rosengarten and David Negrin. You can email us, fan mail us, hate mail us, comments, questions, or proclamations to scriptfeed at gmail.com. Join our Facebook page or our Google Plus page by searching for NYC Screenwriters Collective. You can also follow us on Twitter at ScriptFeed. If you live in New York City, please sign up for one of our workshops at meetup.com under NYC Screenwriters Collective. Come down to one of our script reviews. Meet the script doctors. Watch the, the script development process of the NYC Screenwriters.